guys, welcome to Something Private, a podcast about everything related to the vagina, from sex to health and the society. My name is Nicole and I'm your producer and your host. If you guys are wondering why my voice sounds slightly more raspy, I don't know if it does, but a babe has been fighting the Wuhan pneumonia. Okay, I'm kidding. Had a bit of the, I caught a bit of the bug over the last week and therefore I've been feeling a little sexier. Okay, I'm kidding. Chinese New Year is here and we all know what that means. It's time to get fat shamed! Yeah, I'm kidding. I love Chinese New Year, but with everything good about it, you know, like gathering with the family, getting money, gambling, eating great food, honestly, prawn me, what's up? I think a topic that I want to cover is also about how body image issues intensify around the Chinese New Year period. There are a lot of statistics about how people of our generation struggle with body image issues. I mean, if you've ever looked down at your tummy and caught yourself fat, babe. I think this tweet sums it up quite nicely. It says, When you think about the ways Instagram influencers, selfie filters, and the democratization of photo editing via apps like Facetune or Meitu have distorted our reality, I think about the generation of kids growing up in an era where it's more rare not to have body dysmorphia. Women have struggled with body image issues our entire lives, but that's not to say that men don't either. So this Chinese New Year, we're going to be spotlighting an episode on body image, which I think is a really important and salient issue to discuss. And I have with me a lovely guest today. She's a poet who has published two collections of poetry. Before I carry on, I don't know if you guys have been taking note, but Sis has been putting in extra hours. She's been crunching out extra episodes. Basically, we've been publishing every Monday night and Thursday night because we love you guys and we're trying to give you more content. So, what we're going to do is, this episode is actually a really long conversation between Jolene, my guest, and I, that I've split into two parts. The first part is on her work, girls internalising body image issues and the physical education system in Singapore. The second part is about how the media, brands around the world and people with influence perpetuate these image issues, sometimes without even knowing, and then concluding that we should pay less emphasis on our looks. So if you guys like hearing me twice a week, let me know, tell me. As usual, my Instagram is always open, drop me a DM, let's have a chat. My name is Jolene. I write uh, non-fiction and poetry mainly. From young, I've always kind of written around body image and I guess the concept of conventional beauty ideals and stuff like that. It's always been a topic that I felt like... I think when I started writing about it, um, I hadn't read anything that was explicitly addressing it, so I felt the need to write for myself mainly and then it started becoming something I noticed that a lot of people would pick up on. So since then I've spoken to a few people on the topic as well and I do have plans to start like non-fiction personal projects on writing about body image and around it um, and sort of continue that journey because a lot of things have shifted and changed for me as I've gone along with it. I have two collections. The first one is called Bursting Seams and was really written about body image. I was writing it, I think, in the years when I was 17 to 18. The second collection is called Derivative Faith and it's more about faith in general 
and also like religious faith but I think those were the topics that I felt were very pertinent at the point in time and the things that I needed to process for myself and then I put stuff out there that I feel um, would benefit from reaching a larger audience as well you're very young, I mean, yeah. like, I consider it very young to be writing a whole collection of poetry at the age yeah. of, like, 17. So. I, don't think, I don't think I knew that it was going to be a collection, really. I was writing poems, and then I showed them to my lit teacher, because I was like, I think I needed someone to see them, and also I didn't really know what to do with them. So I was like, hey, can you look at this? And she looked at it, and she was like, actually, these are pretty good, and here's how I think you could edit them. And it was completely out of, like the goodness of her heart there wasn't any obligation that she had to do that or whatever and then after that she was like actually I'm gonna send this to Kenny at Books Actually and I was like oh my god I'm not ready but she sent it anyway Kenny picked up the collection because I think he thought that it was saying important things as well but really when I was writing the poems right it was just that I had just discovered that body positivity was a thing I sort of had just started getting exposed to it online. Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, all of that. Because that's when all those apps like really started as mm-hmm. well, like when I was 17 or 18. I had always hated my body up to that stage. And I think it was something that went unquestioned. I didn't think about why I hated it, I just did. And I like felt like I had to change it. So it wasn't until I was exposed to the whole body positivity movement that I realised that I was quite tired of hating my body. So I was quite tired of being ashamed. Um, But when you struggle to unlearn something, it's always a back and forth process, at least for me. So part of my way of processing that whole back and forth was to write about the moments that hurt the most. Mm. So a lot of bursting seams is not the kind of body positive poetry that's like, I should deserve to exist. In fact, I think there's only like less than five poems in the the entire collection that do say anything close to that. Like, I'm valid no matter my body size and I deserve to exist and I deserve love. I think less than five poems talk about that. The rest really talk about what it is like to hate your body as a 17-year-old girl, Mm. which I think every other girl was going through at that point. And I just didn't know because... Nobody ever said anything. I think it was so unspoken that it was almost like a rite of passage that you had to go through. All these magazines just like, oh, for this year's New Year's resolution, um, lose weight by doing this. This celebrity diet um, works for her because she does this. Mm. I think I remember one article most vividly was cataloging the diet plans of a few different celebrities. And there was a model, can't remember which model it was, might have been Giselle Bonchan. It was talking about how she would go one day without eating or only eating veggie and then the next day just binge eat. And then I think the article was arguing that that was a sort of balance for her. And at the time that I read it, I was like, oh yeah, that's doable. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, totally practical. Yeah, it's totally practical. <laughs> like I don't have to control myself so much. So then when I, when I chanced upon the body positivity thing, a lot of the things that the movement was saying at that time were making sense to me. Like, why should I be ashamed of how I look? Because a body is just a body at the end of the day. Why is it or where did it come from? How did it start that people think only skinny bodies are attractive? Mm. Why is skinniness inherently tied to health? Or why do we assign a moral value to it, right? So then when I discover all these things 
and I started struggling my way out of it, I had to write about the parts where I did hate my body mm-hmm. so that I could leave them behind. Yeah. I couldn't mm-hmm. just go from I hate my body to like, oh yeah, my body is valid even if it's fat. I had to sort of get rid of all the bits that were like, I hate my body. I think because of my body, nobody's ever going to want me. I don't know how to exist in this body. I want to starve myself and lose weight but I can't stop eating yeah I needed to get it out of the way so that was where the first collection came from I am the kind of writer who the writing comes most furiously when I'm in the middle of a spiral and it's easier to do it then and then leave the poem for about a few months and then come back and edit it to the point of knowing that it says what it needs to say Mm. so I need everything to come out in the moment so Mm. that I can pick it apart later Mm. yeah a lot of the poems would come like three to four of them in one setting and Mm. I would just write and write and write a lot of them were cut out of the collection actually because they were saying the same things Mm. just in less effective ways Um, but it was just uh, also a way I think to ground myself in the middle of a spiral because then at least I was tied to something and I wasn't just feeling anxious mm. or triggered after that collection what changed for you like do you still have phases or yeah. times where you dislike yourself or your body I don't think that they go away completely I still have like days now where it happens but they happen once in a few months mm. and when they happen right now I can kind of tell that they're just like memories of the feeling and not actually the feeling itself. Mm. But right after writing the collection, I think I was more conscious of where I stood in that I knew I was trying to move to a space where I didn't hate my body and I unlearned all the toxic ideals that I had internalized. And I was very conscious that I had I was not in that space yet and needed to move there. But I was also conscious that um, a lot of these bad feelings were things that I could leave behind. Maybe before I wrote the collection, it felt like they were valid things that I needed to believe in. It felt like they were true. So things like, um, I hate my body and I don't think anybody's ever going to love me because of it, because it's unattractive. Um, I think that was something that I believed was true before the collection happened. And then after all the writing and publishing, I got into a space where I was kind of like, okay, this is not true. And there's a lot more than what you look like that goes into a relationship. It was very slow but it was moving out of the spaces that I had occupied before into new spaces mm. on my way to like whatever end goal that was yeah mm. so would you say that it's like a continuous journey up until now I think I have reached a space where I if I have bad feelings I can just completely dismiss them mm. so I don't feel the need to think about whether or not they might be true which I would have before um But the thing about the journey that you were talking about is that a lot of, and I think this is the case for a lot of girls as well, mainly girls, is that a lot of my self-worth was tied up in how I looked. So even if I unlearned the toxic ideas that told me that I didn't look a right way, I still have self-worth issues that need to be undone by themselves. Mm. So maybe to give an example so that it's not so abstract. Mm. Um... I'm still unlearning the concept that I have to prove I am worthy by being useful to people. So it used to feel like people would not keep me around, people would not find me lovable because I was fat or ugly. Um, and therefore I had to be useful in different ways. Mm-hmm. But when I unlearned the like I'm fat and ugly thing, it still stayed on its own. Yeah. Do you happen to like have a copy of your books? I do have a couple of poems with me. La. I can read one that 
was written sort of at the end of the body okay, image okay. thing. So it's not like the whole like I hate myself blah 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 mm. emotional poetry. It's the like now that I am out of it poetry. Mm. Okay, so this poem is called History as Written by a Girl. Yesterday I lost my past and only noticed when I found it again today in a puddle standing in an old HDB cup up. I had a vision. How many scraggly outlines of my body can I count from here and how many times will I repeat this? Remember, I told the truth once and then so many times I got sick of the words. There are only so many ways to say you hate your body and I have eaten them all. Now the end of this story blossoms towards me, close enough to catch and spin. It is a tunnel I fold and open and close. Consider, I walk out of myself, ten years older, still and sure as a marble statue, and just as soft. I twist endlessly until I grow out of my own wanting for another skin, another body, another life, someone else's slim grace, and it takes longer than I have patience for. I stare at my naked self in the mirror and confess to loving the image. Now you do the same. That's very beautiful. Thank you. There's a lot of like imagery. Yeah. Metaphor. I think like as a writer, I don't write like with all the images and metaphors to be impressive or mm. because I want to use technical things. It's just that I think in very visual ways. So these are actually like a lot of the images that I write down are actually things I see in my head. Mm. Yeah. And it really felt like when I was unlearning this whole thing, I was trying to like twist out of a skin that I had like learned. Mm to put on and into something that was like way more comfortable mm. and also I got very impatient throughout mm. the whole process I was like am I done? <laughs> there were so many moments where like I would be spiralling and then like my I would be spiralling at my best friend and then I would be like hey how many years has it been? I'm not done uh. before I managed to express something in words it always feels like a shape like inside my head or mm. inside my body and how I know I've gotten a poem or a piece of writing right is when the words that I use to describe that shape feel like they fit. It started there, and I was also reading a lot of other people like Anne Sexton, uh, Carolyn Duffy, Sylvia Plath, Richard Seacon, all these poets who had very visceral images. Mm. They write an image, and sometimes it's completely ugly, but it fits how you feel about a certain thing. Or even if you've never felt it, you can kind of see what they're getting at. So I think that influenced how I thought about emotions and how I reacted in emotional situations, which is that I get very vivid flashes of like absurd images in my head. So it felt like a natural progression to to just continue there. So there was there was a time at the height of like my body hate and everything and when I was trying to unlearn it where I had panic spiral and I would constantly, almost involuntary, it was like a reflex. I didn't like purposely go and think of these images, but I would sort of visualize like peeling myself out of my skin. Not in a very bloody way, just like you're undressing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where that came from, but yeah. There's a there's a fat model called Nadia. She's on Instagram. She was one of the first ones that I follow, I remember, because like she post a photo it came out on my explore feed and I was like oh my god she has a belly like me and it's just out there so I was like following then I just ate all of this content up right they're really just plus size models but I just started following so many of them and I was googling articles about it also 
So I don't think there was there is someone that I can pinpoint in terms of someone mm. who wrote articles, but it was just all out on the web, and I just needed to read all of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that helps a lot also because I think, like you know, the Western world is a lot faster than us, so yeah. a lot more content. I guess like if you need help in a certain area, probably exists like mm. online. Something Private is a podcast produced by WeFM. You can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends about Something Private podcast. The bulk of the success of this podcast depends on you guys, the listeners. So if you like the content that we have put out so far, it would help us tremendously if you subscribe to us, gave us a rating on iTunes, and shared it with your friends on Spotify, on Instagram, via Telegram, anywhere that you think could get us more eyeballs or ears. Yeah. Chinese New Year is a struggle for a lot of us I want to say girls especially but I may be I, I could be wrong you do know? you feel it? like do you get the pressure? I do which I think is very ironic and sometimes I feel a bit like a fraud because like I feel mm-hmm. like I fit into that very like skinny girl stereotype but I also have issues in my body which is like everybody does but it's like why? like why do no, I? no but that's the thing though like you would think that skinny girls don't but they do yeah and like it's I think it's valid actually it's tough. It's a struggle. Yeah, I'm always not about like... to say that skinny girls don't have. Okay, mm. to clarify, I definitely do think that. I think we have girls easier. face more mm, pressure, sure. like institutionally speaking, and have maybe a bit less privilege. Mm. But that's not to say that skinny girls don't experience like body image problems, because mm. there is so much out there telling you, like even if you're skinny, you feel the pressure to like upkeep it or mm-hmm. change something. Yeah, that I think the general vibe or feeling is that. If you are not struggling, you are lapsing behind. Mm. That's true. Kind of. That's true. Yeah. And I think there's like a pressure also because like, I have a lot of hot friends. Mm-hmm. And like, they're, they're clearly hotter than me. Clearly. <laughs> it's really like... But you know that they have... They probably have body image issues No, yeah, too. that's the most... That's yeah. the worst part. It's like, I, I'm like... They would tell me about their body image issues. They're like, I'm so fat. Bitch has like, no tummy. <laughs> She's a fitness instructor. And then I'm just like... Okay, I mean, she, I think she has a lot of self-esteem issues, but I'll just be like holding her hand, I'll be like, babe, like, you are honestly not eh, like, you really are not, you don't know, and I feel like maybe it's a very selfish thing for me to say, but like, when you say that, it makes me feel very bad about myself, you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's a thing that fat girls have discussed as well, so mm-hmm. I follow this person on Twitter called Your Fat Friend, like, mm-hmm. the handle is Your Fat Friend, and um, she regularly talks about how when people, when skinny people say like, uh, I'm a whale, or I'm fat, it comes out of a place where they are ignorant to the presence of their fat friends around them. Mm. And that sort of cognitive dissonance has been one of the hardest things for some fat people to reconcile. Mm. Like, why people say that. And um, to be fair, I never felt it quite as keenly. Like, when my skinny friends w- would say that they were ugly or fat or whatever, I think I was too mired in my own like body hate to really take it personally because I was already shitting on myself mm. all the time um, but coming through the other end of that journey and sort of looking at why people say that I think when people say that they feel fat or they feel ugly they don't really mean that they think yeah. they are fat they are I think it's another sort of judgement that you pass on yourself for being 
lazy or slacking off on your workout mm. or stuff like that. There's a lot of there are a lot of negative implications that are tied with the with the word fat. Do you think they have like a like for example my friend right she has a duty to be more conscious about what she's saying like does she have a duty to make sure that she's not selfish or like to be aware because it feels very like oh my god then there's so much things I have to think about you know I get what you mean I would say that yes you have a duty to be self-aware I wouldn't call it a duty not to be selfish Hmm. because I think when we say that a lot of people think um, but I'm just talking about myself and how I feel about my body how is that being selfish Hmm. right so I wouldn't call that being selfish in terms of like because it comes more out of obliviousness yeah. than intent. Yeah. You're not trying to take up space so that someone else won't have it. You just genuinely... True. Yeah. Of issues that you're probably yeah. struggling with. And it yeah. genuinely comes out of a place of having bad body image issues, which, let's be real, the problem with body image issues is that it has been a systemic thing that has been built into all girls since you we were young. It's true. We, like, brought up. I was nine and saying that my New Year's resolution was to lose weight. Mm. I was a kid eh And nobody told me That it was wrong Nobody mm. was like uh, You should just focus on Maybe growing And being a kid <laughs> This is normal And having fun mm. Instead of like Oh yeah Okay Your new year resolution Every year is to lose weight But have you succeeded yet mm. You don't say that Kind of thing to a nine year child Do you remember The first time You were aware That you probably Didn't fit into A stereotype of how A Chinese Girl should be like I think the Chinese girl stereotype thing came a bit later. Mm. But since young, I was very, very aware that chi- girls are not supposed to be fat. Because you mm. get all these kind of, kinds of comments um, from people in church or your relatives around you. Like, hey, you've put on weight, uh, you must go and exercise, that kind of thing. So you, you get the very pervasive, pervasive feeling that being fat is not a good thing. And this happened very early on. Because I think when I was seven, like primary one, I was still like normal-sized. And then I started growing fatter when I was like nine and up so that started happening and then I got into the tough club I think the experience of being single out when you already have people around you telling you that you need to lose weight is one that really piles on the shame there was so much shame associated with being called out in front of the entire school at assembly Mm. because you needed to go and do extra exercise and then at recess you recess was like half an hour Mm. you exercise for 20 minutes you're given 10 minutes to eat Um, and I think for some of them the diet was restricted also like they cannot eat certain things and they can only eat like other things like healthy food and stuff so when you put all of those things together as a young girl I started to learn the shame of having a fat body very early on and then the thing about not being like what a Chinese girl is supposed to be like in terms of looks I think that came somewhere around secondary school when I realised that nobody was putting on weight or nobody had any trouble keeping it off Mm. Uh, which now I know is a matter of genetics some people like it's true no matter how much you exercise you're not going to get that much skinnier I mean I've been going to the gym two to three times a week some people just pull on muscles better yeah Yeah. and I build muscle I don't really lose like fat like I don't grow visibly smaller Mm. but that was something that took me ages to find out so for the whole four years in secondary school I was wondering why it was so difficult for me to look like other Chinese girls around me like to look like my friends when I first started exercising at the gym I was so scared that it would 
completely transport me back into the headspace where I hate my body mm. and would do anything to change it. Because mm. when I was in JC and I hated my body, I would just I would try to starve myself and then it wouldn't work because I'd get so damn hungry that mm. I would just like, eat everything. Um, and I hated exercise because of the shame that I felt when I was exercising. So I remember like um, in Crescent, we had this thing called Mass Run. Uh, it's every Tuesday and Thursday morning so it's outside of your PE lessons like the whole school goes on a run like outside which I might have enjoyed more if like there weren't people yelling at you to run faster mm. like the PE teachers yeah and a lot of my PE experiences were like very much informed by shame mm. so there was a lot like AU hey, I remember feeling a lot of anxiety that I couldn't do like the NAPFA tests mm. the way like a normal skinnier person might manage to or like 2.4k and one of my PE teachers was like mm, you cannot pass 2.4 because your body weight is your body weight is too much for you to carry so mm. you really need to lose some weight before you can run fast enough to pass the 2.4 which is like when so much of your experience in physical education is centered around shame and so much of exor- the concept of exercise itself is tied to like wanting to get rid of the shame so you shame yourself into exercising because mm. if not, you'll get fat. That's not a good motivation. It's not. Yeah. So then, I didn't exercise at all throughout my uni years. Um, I think I didn't exercise on purpose. Didn't go running or any of that because I hated running. Um, and then I spent all that time unlearning the shame that I felt around my body in general. And I, I started doing gym classes with a friend last year, January. Oh my god, it was the best thing ever. Because I felt no shame. I had to consciously remind myself in class, like, I'm not doing this to lose weight that I put on when I eat normally. And I had to consciously be like, it's okay to go at my own pace because I'm unfit. I have (laughs) been unfit for the past few years. So it's okay to take it slow. And then, as, as long as I held fast to those beliefs about myself... Um, I felt okay I didn't feel any shame I was very proud of Seeing That I was building Muscle And building stamina And it's the only reason Why I continued lah So I had this huge epiphany Which was That why didn't Anybody tell me that When I unlearn All the shame About my body I would be able to access A certain type of joy About exercising that I would have never been able to before, mm. you know, because the shame was blocking it. Mm. It's like that moment in Monsters Inc. where like they find out that a child laughing produces more energy than a scared child. Then they're like, "Oh my god, this is a breakthrough." That's what it felt like. Yeah. Mm. How would you have envisioned like a better? I mean, I, f- I feel like everything eventually boils down to having a better education system. So at a point of time, like, how would you have? liked to I guess been taught instead like why is there no variety when you assess someone's fitness level correct why why is everybody doing the same like fucking thing you know yeah yeah. how would you have liked like I guess your physical education to be like I can't say I've ever thought about logistically speaking how a curriculum would look for PE that would be healthier but I think I would have appreciated it much more if the focus was on me getting stronger um, and on and in a way that was comfortable and healthy for me and did not induce anxiety yeah mm. and less about 
<clears throat> being fit according to a standard set of markers that I couldn't meet. But I think if, in general, we had been taught exercise in a way that felt good for our bodies, the way it does now, mm. then it might have taken a lot better it's true. than being forced to do it, you know? Mm. Yeah. I wonder how, like, children are doing their PE now. Apparently they still have tough club, eh. I don't understand, eh. I really don't understand. I've been talking about it recently because I attended um a panel at Singapore Writers' Fest that was about, uh, I think, language and the body. Mm. It had Roxanne on it. Have you heard of Roxanne? I have. Oh, I wanted to go to her so panel. Good. Oh, oh my it was gosh. like so that we didn't like. I went, but but she did another one with Joel Tan. Have you heard of Joel Tan? No. Joel Tan is a local playwright. He's okay. very very talented. He's based in London now. What what? But he's written a lot about body image. Okay. So he also writes a lot. Um, thinking about community and the way we perceive or build community here in Singapore. He does it, I feel, in a very nuanced way. Mm. Um, but he was on a panel at Singapore Writers' Fest with Roxanne Gay about the body. And he was also talking about how when he grew up, he was in Tough Club. Mm. And he asked into the crowd, like, do they still have that now, by the way? And some secondary school kids said that they do. Mm. It's so messed up, you know? Mm. Like... In what world do you think piling shame onto a kid will make them want to exercise more? Yeah. Yeah. As mentioned at the start of the episode, that was part one of our Chinese New Year special on body image. Stay tuned on Thursday for part two. <laughs>